With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Nat Coombe Show is brought to you in association with the Air Lingus College Football Classic. The first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, is through their pre-sale on Friday, the 19th of November. So visit collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access. That's collegefootballisland.com. Head on over and sign up. Welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, College Days. Actually, Ben Isaacs, are we going to get rid of the Nat Coombe Show bit? Because I always feel quite awkward saying that anyway, like referring to myself in the third person like Usher does. But actually, it, I don't it, know if Usher does or not. That's a bit well, of a low blow on Usher. I don't know, but I mean, um, you think of one of the most famous college football teams, BYU, Brigham Young University. I feel mm-hmm. like maybe this is kind of a little bit NCU. Mm, um, I like NCU. I like that. We could go NCU. We could also... You got me thinking, you know, when the NFL players do their idents and it's the, oh, <laughs> there we go, the college days. Yes. Welcome to the college days. <laughs> we can probably get rid of the first bit. Roll, remind me next week to do that. We'll get rid of the whole uh, The Nat Coom Show. We'll just go straight into college days. And of course, we've got our wonderful new theme tune from. Yes. Uh, thank Pro- you. Thank you, Ollie. Still no TikTok. No. Classic. Mm, yeah. We are going to do a rookie watch looking at edge rushers slash backers. Three prospects that have made it to the big leagues, went high in the draft. How are they faring in their rookie season? Uh, we're also going to have College Football 101. That's, that's been rebranded as well, Ben. You see, we are flying this season. <laughs> yeah. Developing. No messing. Developing the project. Uh, looking at some games for this weekend as well, because two weeks out from the end of the, of the regular season, right? Is my maths right? Two weeks yep. to Yeah, go. two weeks of regular season games to go, and then it'll be the conference championships, and then... Bowl games and playoffs. God, this is where we start to need your MIT level brain to unpick <laughs> the algebraic complexity of who the hell ends up playing who. But let's start with the simple stuff, I guess, which is the, uh, the, the rankings, right? The power rankings. No real change week on week. Is there, are there any movers bubbling under that you think could edge an inch into it? No, I, uh, the, the top seven has stayed the same for the last two weeks. Um, the, the teams below that seven, I, there was a lot of talk with the Texas A&M could um, potentially get into it all and they managed to lose at the weekend. The, you've got Notre Dame in eighth. Maybe, yeah. maybe they could make a run, but their problem is, is that they've got Cincinnati above them. They lost to Cincinnati. So Cincinnati are unbeaten. It's hard for them to so overtake. that'll be a tiebreaker, basically. Yeah, it's, at the moment, it's hard for them to overtake Cincinnati because mm. even if they lose, even if Cincinnati lose a game, it's, people would still say, well, you didn't beat Cincinnati. And if Cincinnati lose two games, well, people will say, oh, you lost to two lost Cincinnati. You're definitely not good enough. It gets very complicated. I was reading that. No, this isn't the Athletic, I think. That's where I was looking at this. No team lower than number nine at this point has ever made the final four. And that, that makes a lot of sense. 
because if you've not if you've not shown enough to be in the kind of top really in the top six it is hard at this point mm. to get it in because you'll have a normal regular season game this week the week after you've got your usually you've got your rivalry game and anything can happen in those it's just like a week full of like crazy uh, derby games and then it's the conference championship so Time is running out. This mm. is um, there's kind of a, one last lap left, basically. So it's hard for the teams that have fallen back to get into that top four. Okay, every week on College Days, of course, Ben gives you some key players to look at, to familiarise yourself with, to get your head around that we think are going to be high flyers. Usually, sometimes we get some sleeper picks as well, but typically, mm. kind of prominent names, prominent faces in next year's draft the 2022 draft which of course is being held in las vegas benedict oh, cannot time wait for us to go back <laughs> after definitely. all these years how many years will that be 18 years since we have oh we, don't don't say that makes me feel ancient slick, like, yeah yes right though oh my slick. god my god i'm amazed we managed to black did we have fake id did we <laughs> not, obviously not suggesting we did we would never uh, never not. do that the uh, the draft we should be out there anyway i'm looking forward to it and uh it certainly is therefore good homework for me and indeed Ladies and gents, all of you out there listening to the show, getting you ahead of your pals, all of those mates of yours in a WhatsApp group that think they know college ball, that pretend they know everything about the draft class, where you're going to be months ahead of them, courtesy of Ben and his stylings and profiling. So this week, why don't we look at a talent from each of the top four? How about that? That sounds good. All right. So where do you want to go? Let's go four through one. Okay. Well, number four is Ohio State, who are... Uh, keenly positioned um, to make to make that final four. Didn't they and lose I've, to Michigan though? No, they lost to Oregon earlier oh, in the season. Oregon. They've right. they've they've got Michigan to play in their rivalry game next week, which right. is going to be amazing. So Michigan um, can play spoiler basically. Well, I mean, Michigan could find their way in Oof. to that top four. They could still do it. Michigan lost to Michigan State, but if if they come through beat Ohio State and win the conference championship, they, they'd be difficult to keep out mm. at this point. Okay. Um, so I've picked uh, Nicolas petit Ferrer. My pronunciation is terrible, but it's French for little brother. Your pronunciation would be better than mine. Petit uh, Ferrer. Petit Ferrer. There you go. That's, yes. Well, he is an offensive tackle at Ohio State, and the name makes him sound very friendly, but he's not very friendly to defensive linemen. He is so powerful it just seems that he hits those players at the line of scrimmage and they just keep going back 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 Mm -hmm. he's very consistent he's perhaps not a first round pick um but i think he's got all the tools to be an nfl starter and the sort of player who will go high in the second second round Mm -hmm. and make someone very happy all right and an easy one to remember because i kind of think there are many players too many players with french surnames coming out in the draft no, no, exactly. We had we had a we had a Greek name last week. We got a French name this week. You are nothing if not cosmopolitan, <laughs> Ben Isaacs. All right, that's number one. Uh, so he's third in the in the playoff rankings. Um, that is the Oregon Ducks, mm. and I have gone for not Kayvon Thibodeau, who I keep talking about and is possibly my favorite player in the draft. But I've gone for Verone McKinley the third, which mm. is also a also a fantastic name. Love a third, um, and he is a. Uh, He's a defensive back who is an absolute ball hawk. Um, he's he plays at free safety and just seems to roam and get p- 
picks all the time. He's a really good tackler as well. He's been forcing fumbles. He's just got, he's got great instincts. He's not, he hasn't got the, the biggest body. Um, he's listed as 5'11 and 194. So he's not massive, mm. but I had to, I checked, I checked those numbers at all sorts of sources. And I'd be interested to see what he measures at, at the combine because he just, when he's on the field, he feels that much bigger. He just seems to be able to jump higher and stay yeah. with taller wide receivers. Right. So I love watching him in the passing game. That's not to say he can't, he can't play against the run, but really as a, as a pass breakup guy, he's one of the best. Can you see a player like that? That is in terms of spec and size, physical spec and, you know, size, when they move into the pros and obviously things are bigger or it's, it's the typically significantly more physical because it's the best of the best, right? Slipping into like a nickel corner gig. Is that, is that a logical move? Yeah. That's certainly something that can happen. And because, because of the way that um, the way that corners are valued much higher now than they were even 10 years ago. Right. Being a, being a nickel corner is not, is not a step back. Right. Um, And financially it is very lucrative. Um, you know, you're still you're still earning big bank. You're not uh, you're not really playing second fiddle. I can I can see it happening for some guys. Um, I think I think McKinley will will start out as free safety, um, but he's there will be players there will be players who because of their because of their body type will end up going to going to a nickel corner and thriving. Now I'm just going to dive uh, before we get to two and one to Twitter for a moment at the NC show. Appreciate Jamie Garwood, longtime uh, friend of the show. Uh, how are you, Jamie? Shout out to you uh, and massive congratulations as well. Jamie's uh, just become a dad for the first time. Oh, so, well done, Jamie. Nice saluting one. you, Jamie, uh, and congratulations to the family. Uh, he has quoted uh, Ollie Hodgkinson, Oliver Hodgkinson, who uh, quote tweeted, "Punters are NFL draft prospects too," says Oliver. Always have been, always will be. Because uh, Jamie has, of course, been alerting us to this with the old Americanage hashtag punter news. Shout out to all your old school Americanage fans out there. Uh, bit of punter news to go to see you, Jamie. Uh, Aztec FB punter Matt Ariza, I want to say. Uh, the NFL, the 22 NFL draft class might possess the most high profile and highly skilled punter prospect in recent history. Um, possible. I mean, there's, there's actually, like, I don't know about San Diego state. That is. Yeah. 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 Those are the Aztecs. Um, There are some, you know, no one's asked us to go through the punters, which is, which is a fair point. We can have kickers Um, kickers and punters special. We we could do. I mean, there were, there were some really good, there were some really good punters. I like Michael Turk at Oklahoma. If you're into, if you're into your punters and Jake Kamada at Georgia, Um, he's really good. And it's like, Punters and kickers in college football can be so inconsistent. It is nowhere near as reliable as in the NFL. And the NFL only needs there to be 32 good kickers. In college football, you need, you know, about 150. And most of them are not good enough. Um, but there are, there are some nice ones, but you don't get many punters and kickers drafted, of course. Um, it, is always, it is always fun to yeah. see. You got homework, uh, Ben Isaacs. I want a punters and kickers special this side of Christmas. Okay, we we can do that, and that does sound very Ollie Hodgkinson. If he's if he's listening, I'm. He is one of my fellow voters in the UK and Ireland college football top twenty five uh, votes, and in fact, 
I also sat behind Ollie um, at uh, Tottenham for the Did NFL you? games. Yes. And he didn't realize I was there behind him. And I was just taking creepy pictures of him and putting him in the Twitter group. And then he realized uh, what's going on behind me. Um, I hope you were, weren't flicking ink on his back like you used to. I bet you do that at school. <laughs> I bet um, you were a definite ink flicker. I, I was, but I've got too much respect for Ollie Hodgkinson mm. to do that. Yeah, he, he is a peer. He is a peer. I am, I am not going to, I'm not going to bully him. Fair um, enough. I, I love the fact he's a special teams nerd as well. Mm, we love a special teams nerd. Right. Okay. Two and one. Go for okay, it. so Alabama at uh, number two, looking ominous despite their one defeat. And I've gone for cornerback. Um, God, his, his name escaped me then. Josh Job. Josh Job. Mm. Um, he has been fantastic all season. The Alabama defense has been not, not as good as it was a few years ago, but still, still pretty goddamn good. He's got, he's got long arms really long arms that just seem to find the ball whenever, whenever it comes his way. But I also love how well he plays the run that he will come up and support, support that front seven and make, make the tackles. He is perhaps out of all the defensive, and it's, it's going to be a really good draft for defensive mm-hmm. backs out of all the defensive backs. There are not many who tackle as well as Josh Job. He's fantastic. He will be one of the oldest guys drafted. He'll be 24. I think, um, when he's drafted, he took a kind of longer journey here, and it might be that some will feel that oh, he's a little bit old. I think that's an advantage, isn't it? I see. I I think I think that as well. I think that as well. He's he's experienced. Yeah, it's he's a little bit more worldly wise. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any issues, but I think there will always be some who think they want someone a, a little bit a little bit younger. That surprised me at the draft level. I get it. You know, obviously, as as the career plays out, you know, there's there's going to be less miles or more miles on the, on the clock, less, uh, you know, expansive career probably, but yeah, draw. I mean, he's, you know, you're signing a, you know, X number of years where he's going to be in his prime. So uh, yeah. Anyway, sounds really, really interesting. I want to take a closer look next time I watch the Bama and then number one in the rankings, of course, better and no change there, Georgia on your mind. <laughs> oh, they, they are, season. they're certainly on the committee's mind and will be all the way through. I think it's going to be, they're already in the SEC championship game. They've already qualified. It's looking like they'll play Alabama in the SEC championship. If anyone can beat Georgia, it would possibly be Alabama. But this Georgia team is just unreal. Mm. They are absolutely stacked with prospects. Um, I've gone for N'Kobe Dean, who's a linebacker, who is perhaps a little bit... It's hard to say under the radar because I still think most people would feel he's going to go in the first round, but a lot more players are getting more attention than him on this on this Georgia team. And so many great defensive players um, have kind of come through, have come through Georgia. And he's he's the next one. Full of talent. He's just he plays on instinct, reacts so quickly. Um, he's agile. He's a great, he's a great blitzer. Um he's I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna end up being in a four-three. I think he's best. He's best in a four-three. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, I. He's perhaps my favorite defensive player um, on Georgia, a team that lives and dies on his defense. I'd said on shows a few weeks back how the stats are a bit strange for Georgia when you look at tackles and pass breakups because so many of their starters only get to play a half mm-hmm. because Georgia is leading by so much. They take the starters out to make sure the second string and third string get lots of reps as well, because you never know when you're going to need them. And they're in a privileged position that they can get 
they can get those guys in. So he's got he's got plenty of tackles, plenty of uh, plenty of interceptions. He had a pick six against their big rival uh, Florida a few weeks back when they destroyed them. He is a prototypical modern linebacker who can play the pass, play the run, soaks up the information, so intelligent. Mm. Um, I love Nicobe Dean. I love that because that is a perfect segue to Rookie Watch. Yes. Ah, because we're talking about rushers and also backers. And let's start with the latter, who is hands down going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'm looking at the odds here, and he's not just the hot favorite. I mean, it's just a landslide victory, isn't it? For it is. For Parsons, who I think we figured was going to farewell in the NFL from, from early doors. I think that was the general consensus that he was one yes. of the, the brightest sparks in this young Dallas defense. He obviously garnered a lot of attention preseason, as did the Cowboys collectively, but Parsons was one of those faces because of hard knocks and, and the extra hype you get there as well. He absolutely hit the ground running, Ben. But has he exceeded ex- those high expectations in terms of just how well he's acclimatized? I think for most for most people, yes, he has. For me, he's right on there mm. because I I felt going into the draft, he's defensive rookie of the year. It's it's his to lose, and I thought that back in April, and he is he has done it all. Um, I think any everybody was high on him, but I think most people would say, "Wow, he's even better." It's it's all well and good getting excited seeing someone's college tape and all that sort of stuff, but then when you see them, when you see them on Sundays, and they just they just they are just there full speed from the very beginning, and he's so versatile. Mm. But they can they can put him in different areas and get him to do different things. And he just does it. He seems to be like like a heat-seeking missile on the quarterback. When he's sent after the quarterback, he can just get through. I've really loved seeing him in coverage. He fills the gaps. He has just been fantastic. He, If you're a Cowboys fan, enjoy this guy for the next decade or so because he is going to be the centerpiece of that defense. He's going to be the one that makes it tick for a long time. And with him and Dak... This is this is a team that should be in contention most years over the next over the next ten years. All right, bright spark for for the Cowboys. Bright spark in a bleak season uh, in New York uh, is the rookie Aziz Ojolari. He is on the shortlist, I think, for defensive rookie of the year. As we said, it's it's Parsons to lose, but he's had a very creditable first year, hasn't he? Yeah, in much more difficult circumstances. Right. The, you know, the the Giants have obviously not been good. I would say, you know, worse than expected. Um, I didn't particularly like the way that they the way that they drafted. Um, I think like like a few teams, they should have picked Justin Fields. As a Bears fan, I'm glad they didn't. Um, and I know that there were a lot of Giants fans who were furious that they missed the opportunity and were happy to trade away. But Aziz Ojolari was a great pick. I liked it at the time. I like it even more now. He's he's exceeded my expectations definitely. Um, He's he's someone who has got great feet and great hands. He's really shown that he can use those. Again, he just goes after the quarterback when he's when he's sent there. Um, he's got he's got quite a few sacks. I don't know what he's up to right now, but at last I saw he was ahead of ahead of all rookies. He is someone who, in terms of kind of beating 
offensive lineman, the only the only rookie who is who is close to him is is Parsons. Parsons Parsons is a clear number one, and Ojolari is is the number two. Um, and for me, he is he is up there for defensive rookie. If you took Parsons out, and it was who who is it after that? Mm. He'd be up there for me in part because there are not a lot of good pieces around him. He's having to do so much. Yeah, it's a good point that you know. I wonder how much better i mean there's obviously that is always factored in when you're looking at um you know mvp uh typically defensive player of the year less so that it's usually from a successful team if it particularly if it's a quarterback right you know rarely are you gonna not necessarily the best team but rarely you're gonna have a quarterback let's say deshaun watson last season right you know it was in a terrible team that almost certainly worked against it, right? Because that's got to be put put into context. And I wonder with rookie of the year nods, uh, whether you get extra props for having to deal with uh, playing in New York as opposed to playing for a contender like the Cowboys. Uh, Queedy Pie is the other one um, in Indianapolis. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic as well. There have been times where I've been a little bit disappointed with him, and I that may just be more the scheme that they're using him in. Um, in terms of going after the quarterback, he hasn't been as effective, especially compared to uh, Parsons and Ojolari. But against the run, he's perhaps been better than better than both of them. It's the less fashion, obviously the less fashionable, less yeah. um, clear yeah. cut highlight reel kind of work that's getting done. Yeah, he is he is grinding away, and that mm. Colts team is obviously very much in contention. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of kind of advanced stats now that can show you particular kind of win rates and all this stuff that will actually, you can point to and say, look, this guy has been really successful against the run. But in the old days, people didn't look at that. It would just be, how did they look and how many sacks did they get quarterback pressures? And he's not really up there with this, with the sacks and the quarterback pressures, but the, 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 when he, when it comes to playing the run, he has been so good. Um, he's someone who I think is going to really grow. Um, he's been, the, you know, he's been put in positions where it's been harder for him to really make make an impact and make those showy plays. Mm. But like I say, he's just grinding, and he's someone who is just going to be a very reliable person to have in your defense for a long time to come. So the Nat Coombs Show is brought to you in association with the Air Lingus College Football Classic and the First Chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium Saturday the 27th of August 2022 is through the pre-sale Friday the 19th of November that's this Friday gang uh, visit collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access collegefootballisland.com where are we going to go next we need to do a kickers and uh, punter special for our draft uh, class maybe not next week but we'll get that in if mm. we can find can you find three kickers or punters oh yeah yeah drafted? yeah, yeah you're right. well well well. I don't know about we'll get drafted but... but we'll be in rookie kickers or punters next season fair yeah. enough uh, but what about our rookie watch where do you want to go next week or should we throw that out to our listeners yes let's let's crowdsource it you tell us who you want to <laughs> I mean it can it doesn't have to be necessarily a position group I guess if it's just ah, nice. particular players you want Ooh. to want to talk about or that's a nice idea it. so individual players I got also what we could do I don't know how you feel about this we could do uh, we could do first year head coaches and technically oh. rookie are they rookie or add coordinators too hey this is expanding Ben Oh, I mean, I love talking about Urban Meyer, so that's always fun. Let's do a whole episode on Urban Meyer. All right, yeah, let's fire those in great shout on individual players as well. Got a player you'd like us 
to cast our eyes on in terms of their first season hashtag rookie watch even though we're sharing that with about i don't know at least two or three other media platforms we don't care we'll find out because you're going to tag in the nc show as well facebook instagram twitter you know the drill by now right college football 101 where are we going this week ben we are going to the 2006 rose bowl now once we get into december we're going to talk a lot about bowl games Mm -hmm. um and the rose bowl is the most famous bowl game and in 2006, clearly the two best teams in the country were USC and Texas. They were the preseason one and two, and they stayed at one and two all season and were unbeaten all season. USC were dominant. They had won the previous two national titles. They were going for a three-peat. And I had to look it up when the, when the last time there had been a three-peat, and it was the 1940s, and it was the Army Academy. Wow. And there was a lot going on for the army in the 1940s in America. <laughs> One or two bits, yeah. But winning national championships was also a thing that they were taking quite seriously. Anyway, USC had won 34 games in a row, which is pretty amazing. They had the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, Matt Leinert. Hollywood he- Matt. Exactly. And they had a Heisman Trophy winner at running back, Reggie Bush. Texas, meanwhile, they'd won 19 in a row. And their quarterback was Vince Young, who I'm sure... People listening to this, if they were Rings watching about. the NFL when <laughs> around, they'll have opinions. Now, he'd finished second in the Heisman voting behind Bush and ahead of Linett because Linett had won it the year before. Now, across the two rosters, this is incredible. Across the two rosters, there were 61 players who were eventually drafted by NFL teams. Wow. And that's, you know, they not obviously not all stars, but 61 of them. And this is in the pre-playoffs. So this was a championship game where a computer, mm. I, I kid you not, a computer would rank the teams and pick the two who would play in the title game. <laughs> is it the now, same computer that Mike Carlson goes against in the picks competition? Uh, well, this is like a cousin of that computer. It's um, I'm sure it must be a clone. It must be like the kind of the, um, I think the one that Carlson competes against is like the kind of the Soviet knockoff. Oh, of yes. Nice. Or like the evil, uh, evil kit in Knight Rider. Yes. Oh, I, do you know what? I was trying to explain to my daughter like why Knight Rider was good and she could not get her head around why anyone would want to watch this. Yeah. The car just talking back. But I had a know, Knight Rider scan I, matrix. Uh, that was, that was I, an awesome thing I had. I, I had a Knight Rider jumper that I remember I had, I wore it for a school photo one year. So that picture was up for so long and you could, the way that the picture was cropped, you would see part of the word Knight Rider, but you could also see, you could see Hoff's hair just kind of curving <laughs> up his uh, beautiful bouffant. Hey, um, Kit's evil twin is Carr, whose name is an acronym. Of Derek Knight, Carr. Knight automated <laughs> roving robot. No, presumably, <laughs> presumably David Carr, right? <laughs> to yeah. to, yeah. to uh, Derek Carr's kid. <laughs> right, sorry, I've taken this off on a night round. Uh, okay, well, this year the, the computers were clearly right. There were only two teams who were going to be in it. There was no argument. So the, the bowl games would take it in turns to, or the big bowl games would take it in turns to host the championship, and it was the Rose Bowl games' turn. And that's a stadium with great significance to USC. It's where their rivals UCLA play. And it's the host of uh, an annual bowl bowl game that traditionally, not every year, but traditionally features the winner of the Pac-12 conference, which is the conference where the big boys of the West Coast play. And obviously they don't get any bigger on the West Coast than USC. And the Rose Bowl game was nicknamed the granddaddy of them all 
by legendary TV commentator Keith Jackson. And he was actually the lead. I didn't know this. He was the lead announcer for the first season of Monday Night Football. But he covered a lot of sports, was most famous for college football. And if you're not familiar with Keith Jackson, I guarantee you'll have heard his voice. You'll have heard people impersonating his voice. So if you go on YouTube and look for a clip, you'll be like, oh, that guy. And this was going to be his last game before retirement. So the most revered college football commentator, two teams who are clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. So everything felt huge. Defenses were on top early. USC recovered a fumble, running back Lendale White. You might remember him. Oh, he ran in a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh boy, did he have a game. So he ran in a touchdown there on the ensuing possession. Reggie Bush made a big run, but weirdly he attempted a lateral at the end of it, thinking it was going to lead to a touchdown. But in the end, it was recovered by Texas. Texas had the momentum. They scored a couple of touchdowns. They led 16-10 at halftime. Like the fireworks were going to come in the second half. Lendale White rushed for another score at the start of the third. USC have regained the lead at this point. It's 17-16. Texas were relying on a reliable running back of their own, Jamal Charles. Again, you may have heard of him. But it was all about Vince Young. He rushed for a third quarter touchdown. Texas now ahead 23-17. So USC, they've got a fourth down on the Texas 12. Line at hand to Lendale White got the first down and more, scored yet another touchdown. It was his 57th USC touchdown, which set a school record, which is a big deal. You think of the running backs that have come out of there, OJ Simpson, Marcus Allen. It was now 24-23 heading into the final quarter. It was already proving to be a classic, and it was time for Reggie Bush. A touchdown run from him made it 31-23. Now it's looking like UCLA are going to finally pull away. Texas got a field goal. USC came back with another touchdown. This was Linets to not a big star, but future Carolina Panther Dwayne Jarrett. There are probably some Panther fans who remember him and think, oh, he wasn't very good, and he mm. wasn't very good. 38-26 to USC. They're in total control, less than seven minutes remaining. Now it's time for Vince Young to go from star to legend. He led Texas down the field, combination of passes and designed quarterback runs. NFL fans will not realize what a force he was in college running the ball, running the touchdown, cut the deficit. It's 38-33 with 3.58 to go. USC, they've got to take some time off the clock now. They got the first down. But on a third down conversion, Lendale White fumbled, but recovered by Steve Smith, legendary Steve Smith. But it's fourth and two at the Texas 45. Line it gave the ball to Lendale White, stopped a yard short. The stadium's going crazy now. There's 209 left. Texas have got the ball on their own 44 yard line. They need a touchdown. Texas end up with a third and 12 that was only converted to a first down because of a face mask penalty. That was going to prove costly. The game was on a knife edge. Texas have a fourth and five from the USC nine yard line. The stadium, which is full of USC and Texas fans, pretty much 50, 50. The Texas fans are just biting their nails. The USC fans are screaming Mm -hmm. for their defense to make one last stop. Young went back to pass. His receivers were covered and he just had one plan. He's going to run. He ran to the right headed for the end zone, got a crucial block from receiver, scored the touchdown. 19 seconds to go, 39-38 Texas. They went for a two-point conversion, again run in by Vince Young. USC had 16 seconds to get in the field goal range. They only got as far as the Texas 43 when time ran out. It was over. Texas had beaten unbeatable USC 
in a game that is probably the best college championship game ever. I think it's the best game of this century. It's the fourth time Texas have been national champions. They've not won it since, nor of USC. Both these teams are in the doldrums right now. Mm. But chances are they'll be giants once again sometime soon. Brilliant stuff, Ben. Oh, I've got to remember uh, so vividly uh, Hollywood, Matt line in particular, of course, has <laughs> uh, been a running gag, I think, on, on stuff we've done over the years. The, the hot tub story, I think, was what cemented his mm. uh, his legendary status. Uh, I mean, you've got to remember there was, there was no NFL team in LA at that time. Mm. USC were like the pro team there. Yeah. They could do anything. Big time. And he never really lived up to, to his potential in the pros, right? Uh, no. Was he one of those players that was always going to be a better college quarterback than a pro? Well, I he's someone who, he, like, there's a lot of quarterbacks who come out and they, it seemed that USC was a real kind of production line where the quarterbacks hadn't had that many starts. They would have a good season and then get drafted. Matt Linus had had mm. two really good seasons. You know, he'd won a, he'd, won the Heisman Trophy and come third in the voting in another year. So he'd had a lot of starts, a lot of experience. He was a disappointment. Mm. Um, he should have done, or from what we'd seen, he should have done better. But a lot of those UC, USC quarterbacks just didn't live up to the hype. Carson Palmer, I guess, was was the best of that crop around that time. Mm. I'm just looking at yeah, the Hollywood Matt hot tub. <laughs> just <laughs> with four hotties is the headline I'm looking at. Just go and look that yes. up. Hollywood Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, one of the big games this weekend, you are going to be uh, urging us to keep it on. Uh, we'll start at 5 p.m. Ohio State versus Michigan State. So Ohio State, they're in such a good position at the moment because Michigan State are really good. They're, they're ranked in the top 10. Then the week after, they've got Michigan also in the top 10, and then they'll play in the championship game. So Ohio State, if they win those three, they are definitely going to be in that top four without question if they lose one they've got major problems Mm. and michigan state are really good michigan state have only lost one game all season and this is going to be a tricky one i this is upset watch i i'm not saying ohio state will be upset but my god this could really happen then 8 30 cincinnati versus smu now cincinnati are not one of the group of five teams that's the big five conferences they're not in those conferences so it's harder for them to make it into the top four no team from outside the uh, power five has ever been ranked in the top four let alone finished and made into the playoffs they've never been ranked in the top four so cincinnati are aiming for that things are kind of falling nicely for them in that teams around them have lost cincinnati have got to win out SMU have only lost twice this season. It's going to be a tricky one. Cincinnati haven't looked great. And the thing is, is that the, the committee voters, they don't just want to see Cincinnati win. They want to see them win with style because they will look at Cincinnati's schedule and say, it's not as difficult as Ohio State. It's not as difficult as Oregon's. So if you are going to leapfrog someone, you are going to have to really show you are that much better. They're going to play SMU and then they're going to play Houston. And those are two of the best teams they're going to play. They need to beat them and beat them well if they want to go into the top four. And then rounding off rounding off your night at 12.30 in the morning is perhaps the most intriguing game of the day, Utah versus Oregon. Mm. Now, Oregon are in the top four, but they're probably going to have to play Utah twice because it looks like Utah will win their division, Oregon will win their division, so they'll meet again in two weeks. Utah, they had some issues at the start of the season, and they have really come good now. They are such a solid team. If the season 
if the season had started a few weeks later, we might be talking about them as a top 10 team. They are going to be so dangerous. And it's going to be really difficult for Oregon to beat this team twice in the space of a few weeks. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Utah beat them in one of those games. And if Oregon do lose one, they are out. Season is over because they lost a terrible game to Stanford. Stanford are appalling. They lost that game earlier in the season. So they have no room for error now. Mm. That would be it for them. And they've got the most impressive win of the season. They won on the road at Ohio State without their best player, Kayvon Thibodeau. But if they lose once to Utah, they're done. You can stick a fork in them. Say goodnight, Gracie. Brilliant stuff as ever, my friend. At Tweets from Ben is how you follow Ben on Twitter for all the latest styling and profiling and lots of college steers. Of course, Ben, a regular uh, on our other shows, including our radio show Sundays, Talk Sport 2 throughout the season. Make sure, yeah, join us for that. Uh, certainly the most capped, the most capped player on that on that lineup ben uh, <laughs> yeah leading team guest how do we get oh I, got, I picked up a game on will didn't i last week yes so you did you did but team guest still mm. very much out in front mm. um and hopefully we'll continue continue for continue that i mean i'm, I'm assuming there's a massive cash prize at the end is that right huge huge mm, whatever is in ollie's uh, halifax account oh oh so mm. in fact will owe him money well, I don't know. I think I think Ollie got into Bitcoin early, so I think you I think you might be all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll check with him. Uh, brilliant stuff, Ben. We will be back same time, same place next week with more college days. We're going to be aiming to roll it through the off season, the off college season, of course. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, which will help get you set for the aforementioned 2022 draft in Vegas. Yeah. Draft season never ends. Mm. It is always draft season, as far as I'm concerned. It's just that it will culminate. Uh, this time in a fun weekend in Vegas. That's why you're the smart woman. That mm. is smart with sayings like that. Drop in the wisdom. Look after yourself, bro. Cheers. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.